Welcome to Finding Fair Health podcast. This is a fab episode if you want to get your head around where you can make system level change in tackling health inequalities. We get a real insight into what I think Sarah puts it as brokering the gap between the national and local level change. Back in the spring, I managed to catch a conversation with Sarah just before she went off on maternity leave. I found this conversation really helpful and I hope you do too. Really looking forward to this episode today. Um, I'm going to be talking to Sarah Smith, public health consultant working within the integrated care system in Wakefield. She has a long-standing drive to reduce health inequalities and is working within their integrated healthcare system to try and think about ways in which she and her team can reduce the health inequalities that are present there. I'm so excited about this as we have had conversations on the podcast at a local grassroots level and at a national level, but I feel that this is a real opportunity to think about ways in which this all links up at a system level as well. Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. I hope you're doing okay. I know you're coming to the later ends of your pregnancy, so I'm really pleased to have been able to catch you before you go off on maternity leave. How are you doing today? Are you okay? Thanks, Rachel. No, I'm doing well today. I'm really happy to be here and yeah, glad we could squeeze this in as well. Um, so yeah, no, looking forward to it. Looking forward to having a conversation. Oh, brilliant. So I, I guess just to kick us off, really, just tell us a little bit about um, why you care about all of this so much and why you think this is all so important. Yeah, thanks. So I think, um, I mean, for me, well, obviously, I'm consulting in public health. So working in public health, health inequalities is our, our bread and butter. So professionally, um, I'm really interested in it. I find it, you know, a really important area. But I think um, what brought me into public health and what brought me into public health training on reflection was thinking about health inequalities and thinking about fairness and justice. So my my background was working in sort of more around NHS management um, before I came and did my public health training. And I kept going back to looking at kind of the differences in outcomes. And it felt like a really lost opportunity, really, that um, different population groups were getting different outcomes and different access to services, etc., so um, that's really kind of partly what brought me into public health to understand more about that and to really kind of get underneath what we can do practically about it because it's such a big area um, of work. I'm really keen to understand more, you know, how we can help and how we can make a practical difference. So for me, I think the main thing is that that missed opportunity for not doing something about inequalities and that responsibility to act is um, is why I'm so passionate about it. Yeah, I can really relate to that um, Yeah, from a primary care perspective. So, yeah, thank you. It's really interesting, isn't it, to think about it from a public health perspective. And a, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about on the, the podcast is um, from a primary care perspective. And so do you, how do you think that might differ in terms of the different perspectives? I mean, I think it's just where you sat at different points in the system. So I guess in, in my role now, which we'll get on to, you get to see those different interfaces and different points in the system. I think the principles are the same um, in terms of, uh, you know, understanding that there are differences. I think how we might perceive it and how we might look at it might be different. So in public health, we're sort of taught to look at things from a whole population perspective. So not just um, look at the individual in front of us, but to kind of get curious about the whole the whole population rather than the individual person. So I think that's one one key thing around public health. Obviously, we we get um, we get badged as having a real interest in the data, which is absolutely true in my case. But I think it's broader than that. Sort of a bit of a mindset of really thinking through what difference can we make at a big scale. But to enact that and understand that, we actually absolutely need that kind of primary care 
perspective as well. And I think increasingly what I've seen over the um, the past few work, years working on on health inequalities is actually that real peaked interest in understanding that bigger picture wherever you sat in the system. So I think there's different ways of looking at it. I think the principles are the same from a primary care and a public health perspective. So I think our role in public health is to help people be curious and help people start to understand what we mean by inequalities, but what can you do from the role you're sitting in? Because it's such a big, a big area of work. It can become a bit overwhelming sometimes otherwise. Yeah, definitely. And I, I know I've definitely found it quite feel, to feel quite overwhelming. Um, how do you break that down then? So you've got something that feels so overwhelming. How do you start to think about kind of breaking that down and think, right, what is it that we can actually do? I think for me, there's something around um, working across a large system. Um, I like my see my personal role in that is kind of um, is increasing people's awareness that inequalities exist and then helping them understand the role that they can they can play and understanding the fact that if everyone takes a small role because there's a you know a massive number of health and care professionals working um across a large health and care partnership like West Yorkshire I think if everyone plays a small role in that then actually we can have a big collective population health impact um so helping just with some real practical things around actually if you're in primary care um what are the increased roles you can play in improving access for the different population groups you serve um and what are the kind of um, roles you can play in improving sort of determinants of health so understanding people's housing needs for example which I know is, is a lot on top of a um a standard consultation but actually those small things added up together make a really big difference so depending on where you sat in the system what your specialty is what your interests are what you, your kind of clinical background is there's always different things you can do to make an impact um, and that's not limited to the clinicians and primary care professionals themselves it's it's also the responsibility of um people working on reception and how they kind of uh, receive people registering um in general practice also applicable to you know data analysts and how they look and interpret the data so I think everyone at every seat in a big health and care system has a role to play um, so I think my my particular passion and my particular role is helping people unpick what that is for them yeah, I love the fact that you say that everyone has a role. Um, you're working um, as a public health team within the integrated care system. And um, I know integrated care systems have been um, around for a little while, but they are still relatively new. So it'd be really interesting to hear from you kind of, um, I, I suppose, firstly, for anyone who listen, who's listening who doesn't know what an integrated care system is, maybe a little bit about that and its um, formation. And, and then going on from that, the role of the public health team within that would be really interesting to hear about. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, yeah, first of all, there's, I mean, there's 42 integrated care systems across England. Um, they've all been established sort of at varying times over the last sort of five or six years. Um, and they bring together different places from across um parts of, of England on different um sort of geographic footprints um to kind of come and work together collectively. Now in saying that they're all really different. So um both from a from a public health perspective we always kind of look at things from a population size. So some of the the um integrated care systems are as small as kind of um half a million population and some are as big as three million. So depending on um where you are working with an integrated care system the role of public health and the role of um, collaborative working will look quite different um in West Yorkshire what that looks like is I was I was told when I first started working in the ICS 
first of all, and I think it's the ethos of, of where we work, but first of all, it's not a thing. It's, a, you know, it's not, it's not an organisation. It's a partnership at the moment. So it's a, it's, um, a, a collective of the uh, clinical commissioning groups, the hospital trusts, the volunteer community sectors, primary care networks, um, mental health trusts, et cetera, et cetera, all working together in partnership is what makes up um, a, a good integrated care system. Um, there's some governance around that in terms of making decisions and increasingly there will be more governance because from July this year the integrated care systems are becoming statutory bodies are becoming integrated care boards and again in West George we're still we're taking a very kind of partnership approach it probably won't look too dissimilar from how we're working now but what it does give us is the opportunity to work on things at scale so to work on things where it makes sense to do that once for the population of the whole of West Yorkshire so for most things, um, it makes sense either for a community, so like a population health um, focus at a local community, primary care network focus. For some things, um, from a population point of view, it makes sense to look at from a local lens, so from a Wakefield lens, for example. And for some things, there's added value of looking at that across the whole West Yorkshire 2.4 million population footprint. And those things that we work on once at scale are, are more few and far between but can have a really big impact on population health as well. So that's mm. that's the area I work in and kind of the, the small tip population health or public health team we've got at the ICS. That's that's where I work. And we have three tests as to, to why we might do that work in West Yorkshire, why we might do things once. Um, and they're sort of predicated by we can't do it on our own in, community, in local communities or we can't do it on our own in, in local places. And those tests are, it, it makes sense to do it at scale. The, the collective working makes sense or from a population health point of view it makes sense the second is where there's um an opportunity to share good practice so if one what something's happening for example in wakefield and we want to share that with leeds because it's um it's really good it gives us that the opportunity to share and learn from each other um and the third thing is coming together to solve wicked issues um so they're the kind of things that we might be struggling separately or in different places and there might be the, the added value of that collective brain power to come together on that so for health inequalities, it kind of meets all three of those system tests, really. So working at scale, for example, particularly for inclusion health groups or groups that are small, but in, in high levels of need, makes sense often to look at once across West Yorkshire. So, for example, gypsy and traveller populations. In terms of sharing good practice, obviously, there's pockets of great stuff going on across the system that we help facilitate and, and learn from each other on. And again, working together to solve wicked issues. Health inequalities in itself is a really kind of intangible and, and wicked issue that we we kind of come together on. So, so that's that's a bit about ICSs and a bit about what we do and why we do that once. I think as the legislation comes in in um, creative care boards, um, that will be really an interesting test of that partnership work and and another step, I guess, in the journey of. of ICSs as well. You've given those those three points around how you kind of choose a project at scale. Are you using the data as well as all those three things to try and identify what things might work at scale? Yeah, absolutely. I think I guess using the data to understand one sort of the the data in terms of like intelligence to understand population need. So to understand like where should we focus our efforts um, across West Yorkshire? So some of that's um, local data, so things like joint strategic needs assessments, which each local place has, which is about population need and for some some data and intelligence we hold across West Yorkshire. But then really importantly balancing that with some of the insight um, from what we're hearing locally about inequalities and, and what's working or not working or where the gaps are or where we can do better. 
so we kind of we balance our sort of prioritization of what we focus on on that as well because public health and population health are so big and broad that we've always kind of got to go through that process of prioritization and thinking well we've got a small team where do we best focus our efforts so absolutely kind of intelligence led led by what what makes sense to do once across West Yorkshire and then we have another three things that we use in our program which are about how we add value so we think through how can we add value through capacity so bringing more resource into the system for example how we can add value in terms of capability so that's what we was talking about earlier in terms of like upskilling the system to understand what role they can play in addressing health inequalities and then upskilling system again on intelligence how can we add to the pool of intelligence we've already got so whether that's consolidating what we've got already or commissioning new insight or intelligence where we don't hold it. So that's something quite specific to, to the programme that we work in. Yeah, I can imagine with the development of boards going forward, um, that's going to become challenging. So is that something you're working on at the moment? So I, I wonder, yeah, so how does the, the governance limit some of this stuff that you're doing? Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's it's been fairly permissive so far in terms of the way we've worked. So I'm fortunate to work in a a health and care partnership or, or an integrated care system that is really interested in the use of data and intelligence and really kind of proactive on on the public health front so by the nature of having a population health team I think it's sort of evidence of that but are really keen to learn from that data and keen to kind of focus on wider partnerships and um, looking at the wider things that impact on health as well well we're refreshing our strategy at the moment and we've got um 10 big ambitions for for West Yorkshire which include um health inequalities quite explicitly and what we're wanting to do is be really intelligence led on that so when we're setting you know we've got the new governance arrangements we've got the new strategy how are we um how are we using the data to back that up so we've you know we've got the outcomes but how are we using the data to show that we're all working towards the same end goal um i think one of the risks though that that we um that's right to flag up is you know there will be new governance arrangements and new accountability arrangements how do we keep that real local focus um and how do we keep that kind of autonomy that we've got at the moment to do the things that are right for our local population um how do we keep that permission i think is something we're really conscious of as a health and care partnership um i think part of it's been aware of it though and that helps solve the problem doesn't it being kind of conscious and aware of it as you're building a system yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really interesting because you're talking about bringing in some of the grassroots elements of it. So thinking about actually what's happening within your local area. But then I guess there's some strategic direction from a national level. So we've got this core 20 plus five stuff coming in, giving some national direction. How do you kind of work with both the grassroots stuff and the the national picture to try and think, right, OK, where well, what are we going to do at system level? Yeah, I think that, that's for me a really key part of the role of having a population health function in a in an integrated care system is is to kind of broker that that gap. So to meet the national aspect, to really kind of translate, well, this is what it means for us and for our population. Um, so the core twenty plus five is a really good example of that. Um, so I think you've had a previous podcast, have you, on on the core twenty plus five? So I'm not going to the the all the detail of that, but how it translates in West Yorkshire is. Um, the core 20 element relates to deprivation and and, and people living in the 20% most deprived nationally um, in communities rank that. Well, in West Yorkshire, that's 34% of our population. So it doesn't translate um, as neatly to the, to the national ask. Um, and if we were going to look at deprivation, we might look at our most deprived 10% communities because actually it gives us more focus. So I think it's kind of translating both in terms of the data, but also in terms of, uh, you know, what, 
the plus element. So we we have a bit of autonomy there in terms of what groups and what population groups are important to West Yorkshire. I think in terms of the five clinical priority areas, when we've looked at what are the factors driving the gap in life expectancy in, in West Yorkshire, um, in relation to deprivation, in relation to some of those protected characteristics, actually they, they ring true and they map across quite nicely to those clinical areas. Um, but where we'd push back a bit and where we'd want to go further locally is looking at the determinants of health that drive those. So we're not just focused on kind of um, the secondary prevention so that actually diagnosing people and actually treating the so looking at the tertiary prevention as well we're looking more upstream in the causes of ill health in the first place and um, doing work as a system to address those so I think there's there's definitely a role for public health teams in integrated care systems in translating some of that national strategy working out what it means locally but almost being a master both to the uh, sorry being a answering to both masters so sort of the national aspect so they have a really big kind of um role to play in being sort of servants of of the local places as well um so matching the two up is a uh, definitely a trick and um i think using the data to balance your argument for that is is really important yeah that's really interesting you've got public health sitting within the integrated care system and i know that that isn't necessarily something that happens across the board so that sounds great and so much of what you said already i can see the benefit of that what would you say are the challenges of now having the um public health team within the integrated care system it came about in terms of having a a public health team initially was around a bit of the strategy you mentioned before around the long-term plan so there's some really key prevention elements in the long-term plan I came and joined West Yorkshire Health and Care Partnership as a public health registrar towards the end of my training to look at um, both the long-term plan and some national health uh, population health management guidance and how we translate that again in the into the ICS and actually when we did a bit of consultation we thought this needs to go broader this needs to be kind of broader public health there's so much opportunity to work um in partnerships for example with the West Yorkshire Combined Authority on things like violence reduction health and housing etc etc so that's where the broader kind of public health need within an ICS in West Yorkshire came from and we did a lot of work and a lot of consultation in terms of setting up the program so I think, yeah, challenge-wise, there's, there's always that need to make sure we're, we're being really collaborative. So there's, there's a risk, I guess, if we were um, going to go off and do our, you know, our own thing as a, an ICS core team in public health and not consult local populations or local public health teams. I guess that would could be a risk in an ICS. I mean, we, we don't work in that way. We work really close with our directors of public health and local public health teams, but that that could be an ongoing risk, as could be if we were just going to directly translate some national, you know, the national guidance that was coming down without considering local need. I think they, they could be some of the risks of having uh, or some of the challenges of, of a public health team in the ICS. But I think we spend a lot of our time focusing on kind of systems, leadership, systems, management and collaboration, I think probably more of that time than the, the kind of core public health skills, which we apply to to that areas of working. But essentially, a lot of the role is systems leadership and and navigating the different relationships within the system to to make a difference on on population health. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. And that, that, that must be so hard. So you're kind of, as you say at the beginning, that this is this the integrated care system is not a thing. It's a partnership. So you are you are probably having to tread quite carefully working with lots and lots of people and not trying to destabilize what other people are doing so how how do you go about that I think 
um, partly, the, I mean, there's a structure thing and there's, a, I guess, a governance part of it. So in our programme, we have um, we have a programme board, which is I like called governance structure. But then we have a series of networks and communities of practice. So we make it really open for people to engage. So we're, we're quite an open shot with our, like, we have a health and equalities network and health and housing one and prevention um, and climate, etc. But we don't have them as kind of a closed shop. So in some kind of governance structures, it's very much like, you know, this is this is the mailing list. This is a terms of reference. We're quite kind of open to we we have on those groups and who is feeding into the work. So that's kind of a, I guess, a practical governance way we do it. And then we have kind of um, communities of practice that sit underneath those. And we encourage everyone and anyone and everyone from across the system who's interested in population health to get involved in those various areas of work. So we, we created some of the structures, but I think some of it's just an ethos and a, and a way of working around wanting to work collaboratively um, and enjoying that system working really and enjoying making those connections um, and seeing where those connections are and kind of building relationships. So, um, yeah, it is. I mean, systems working is a very kind of relational way of working and we we do focus more most of our time on, bu- on building and maintaining those relationships. So um, I think you've got to enjoy that. I, part of public health and part of area of work if you're working in an integrated care system um but yeah it is a challenge and something we're never I don't think we're ever going to get 100% right working in such a big area like population health there's always going to be more people to collaborate with there's always going to be more people to work with just when you think you've kind of got it nailed and you've you've got most people you need to collaborate with another another group or another service or something you, you weren't aware of pops up so I think you've just got to always be open and receptive to being um more and more inclusive and more and more um collaborative yeah oh well great well thank you and I, I, I don't know do you do you worry about that so do you spend your time worrying about who you're missing and yes missing? <laughs> yeah I, do. I don't know if that's a personality trait or a um a professional trait but absolutely um because I think our, our style particularly as a program and we've got a really good team of like dedicated um professionals who work in public health now but have come from really varied backgrounds we've got like a consultant anaesthetist in our team we've got an ex-youth worker um we've got a really varied um public health population health team um and all of us I think are really committed to that so I think it's uh, you know for me personally it's something I I worry about because I want people to feel included and involved um and something I spent we spend a lot of time as a team almost being kind of overly collaborative getting people involved um yeah and it is upsetting you know the times where people haven't felt involved you kind of really reflect on that and think actually what could I have done differently how could we have um got them involved earlier on in the journey and to, and to try and learn from that um in the future but yeah definitely something I spend a lot of t- a lot of our working life thinking about yeah definitely so I suppose we've talked about sort of how you get people involved and how you're thinking about keeping everyone involved in the conversation. But how how do you map these people out? So how do you map out your stakeholders um, and then kind of use that information to go forward to make? I think um, we just we just build and build on it. So when we're when we're setting up um, when we set up the program initially, it was very much kind of well, we want to consult with obviously the the obvious suspects like public health teams. What was public health England? You know. Um, commissioning leads for various elements of prevention services that kind of thing um, and then you think oh actually we need someone from the acute trust or we want a representative from primary care and actually it just kind of it builds and builds and builds and increasingly we're doing loads more work with the volunteering community sector so that started initially with one volunteering community sector rep on our program board 
and now it looks like a lot more um you know on each of our boards we've got representation but we've also got really close working relationships with some of the charities that work with um communities that we're we're serving as well so I think it's just something that you can map out initially um, and do a good kind of sensible check on that but it's just something that needs to grow and grow um and we did all the kind of usual stakeholder mapping of people um you know we need to keep really involved people need to keep engaged on our boards people we need to keep actually updated they need to be aware of what's going on but they kind of um don't need to be involved in the core business and stuff as much but we want to keep them updated so we we did that kind of formal stakeholder mapping but i think you've just got to be quite um open to to people getting involved and joining in um and then there's just people who come out of the woodwork and hear about what we're doing and you know there's some non-exec directors who've joined in some clinicians who it's not part of their day job they're not getting resourced for it but are really passionate and um and give us loads of time for the program work that we learn so much from so I think it's just having the open door and just saying yeah get involved um and we've been really surprised um with particularly around well there's a few areas that get people really engaged and people are really passionate about health inequalities is one climate change is another one that there are just so many untapped so much untapped resource in it in the system on those areas um that we're increasingly looking at different ways that we can get people involved so um we just launched a health equity fellowship the first the induction day was yesterday and that was that's another way of kind of um not getting people to formally work within the program, but giving them the space to work on on health inequalities as part of their role. So it was a really it wasn't people working with already. It was a really kind of passionate, untapped resource. So, again, I think it's just looking at different innovative ways to find people in a big system that are allies that you can work with. Yeah, thank you. That's really interesting. Um, OK, so, um, Sarah, you've got you've got um, your ideas of what you're going to do within the system and you've got your stakeholders. Then what, what where where do you go next? So how are you going to actually try and think about um, putting stuff into practice and, um, yeah, trying to think about tackling the health inequalities? Um, I know for that particular population group or for that particular issue that you're trying to um, you're trying to solve. I think it comes back to what I was saying about and that's why we've had to kind of give ourselves a bit of a framework or a way of thinking as a system because um everything's you know it's so it's a big population health health inequality is so big so as a network we kind of think well what can we do on the like the capacity bits how could we bring some more resource in on this area so say we have a you know an area of work we're looking at what's the resource available for that and how could we change the way we do things to reduce inequalities like what's what's within our gift um it's normally a case of beg borrow and steal to um to reduce inequalities but you know how can we use the resource differently so there's a capacity thing um and then a capability thing i think in terms of helping people you know like you say we've got keen people we've got a um we've got people who want to make a difference but helping them so we've got some frameworks and things that people have can use we've got a health and aquatics prevention pathway toolkit that we've developed so like some real practical tools that people can use to like break down and better understand inequalities whether it's in a specific service or along a care pathway um, and support them with both understanding what we mean by inequalities but understanding what ones impact on their their services as well um so you know how they can use the data um and that comes into the, the final bit around intelligence and insight so once we've done all that, if there are gaps in the data or the gaps in the insight, how do we support um, people to get that 
get hold of that or how do we commission new um new projects and new research that will will bridge that gap as well so um it's all fairly generic I guess what I'm talking about but it's that's how we how we kind of break it up um and then we get you know we get into the specifics when we're looking at whether it's like a you know a cancer pathway or a mental health pathway um or something more upstream like a affordable warmth pathway that's that but it's the same approach that we take yeah okay and do you have any an example for example of how you've managed to kind of use a toolkit to kind of make an impact yeah we've I mean we've done some work recently with um Bradford in Bradford they've got um what's called the access program where it's looking at kind of um pathways along planned care um and we had a session with them recently um where we used our health inequalities prevention pathway which is um you know it breaks down it helps people break down a um, a pathway of care to looking at well, where are the biggest points um the biggest inequalities across this pathway and how might we focus our effort and it kind of breaks down a pathway and helps people understand that through the use of data and intelligence so we held a workshop with them um to do that looking at three um clinical pathways so we looked at um ENT um pediatrics and orthopedics so again still quite big areas but we got the people from those specialties in and involved and it always amazes me you know what you kind of think oh they might know this already or actually might be looking at this but just looking at it from a different lens and having that protected time in a workshop to really get into the data where we ended up focusing a lot of the effort was on um first outpatient appointments that's where we were seeing the biggest gaps in in inequalities along a care pathways people are referred and then are, are dropping off before they almost get into the the secondary care system and then that's become an area of focus for them to say okay the data is telling us this they've then gone away now with the next step of looking at okay we need to consult with local populations to understand why this is happening you know is it they can't get to the hospital is it they're not getting their appointment letters but just really practical stuff so the data is you know helping us focus down from a you know a really broad a broad perspective into like really where to look but the way it's happening is where the insight comes in so that that's kind of their next step that they're taking on locally and then the idea then is you can make some really practical service changes because I've actually it's the letters were in the wrong language format or the appointments at this time of day aren't suitable for this population group or um, it needs to be a digital appointment because people don't want to take time off work because they'll lose money because they're on a zero hours contract etc etc they can get into the real detail of that thank you that's a brilliant example of putting that into place and engaging with the different people that need to be engaged but also using the data so yeah thank you so yeah I suppose you've made some changes there how do you then think about kind of sustainability accountability within the system going forward with with that once you've kind of made some changes and you're seeing that something you're doing something that's making an impact I think part of it so we have a again sort of a bit of a you know a, a pathway for evaluation so taking from the intelligence insight and then intervention and encouraging people to evaluate and, and again the beauty of working across west yorkshire big areas kind of sharing that learning so i think some of the sustainability is is learning from you know i said that was quite a specific approach in bradford but then helping um our, i guess our role is to help the the um the learning to be shared and embedded in other areas but again being a, a smallish team I think I think our role is to kind of get people started offer to share the learning but really hope that people see the value um, in the differences that make and if and if it's evaluated and seem to be making a positive difference and then, then that will spread and continue so we do feel we've got a responsibility in that in sustaining these changes through through sharing the learning and through encouraging and supporting the evaluation. 
Yeah, definitely. And it's just so good to know that there's work being done to kind of share some of that stuff and yeah, how it can transfer across the system and be relevant in other areas. So yeah, thank you for that. Um, really interesting. We, we talked a little bit earlier, I suppose, about the social determinants of health and how we bring in other areas of the system that are relevant in terms of tackling health inequalities. How do you see a lot of kind of typically non-health services um, being involved within the integrated care system? I think from a public health point of view, a lot of the sort of work on what we call the determinants of health, so the causes of the causes of um, poor health, will happen in local places and sort of be the responsibility for, for local authority public health teams but again like like we talked about you know why we work at scale there's some real opportunities again to do that in an integrated care system so in in West Yorkshire um we've got a a combined authority the West Yorkshire Combined Authority which is coterminous population wise with the health and care partnership so that works really well in terms of us thinking well we're working for the same population to the same end both encouraging them to think about what they can do to support health and well-being outcomes but also for us to input into some of their work streams so one example of that is we've got a um a joint post with the west yorkshire violence reduction unit so thinking through violent crime as a determinant of health population groups disproportionately affected and supporting that team to take more of a, a public health approach to addressing violent crime um so we've done some work with a and e navigator models um that look at the kind of um, referral back out into communities if people are presented um as a victim or a perpetrator of violent crime but also thinking through what what are the what are the routes that um from a an upstream public health perspective what are the routes that um might lead people into um a pathway of violent crime in the first place and how can we support the prevention of that so we've worked with the violence reduction unit to commission research on on that that um that area in particular um so again, it's it's just us kind of looking through, thinking actually we know there's lots of these determinants of health, but what what's unique to doing things once across West Yorkshire um, that's adding value to what's already happening in local places. Um, similarly, there's a West Yorkshire Health and Housing, um, like a strategic housing group that is for West Yorkshire. So we provide some um, some health input into that as well. So yeah, it's it's. I get told to say adding value too many times, but I do feel that's that's the kind of role for us really is thinking through lots of this work happens locally in places, but on the determinants of health stuff particularly, you know, where can we think through um, and work with a combined authority on um, and having more of a wellbeing focus. Um, and we've just actually really excitedly appointed a consultant in public health to work in partnership with our team in the ICS and um, across with the West Yorkshire Combined Authority and her role is particularly around embedding that determinants of health approach. So um, she's got a big remit, but, um, you know, focusing it in on that, that West Yorkshire population size. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Well, I can see that the importance of a role like that. You have such a kind of bird's eye view of the system and huge amounts of experience as a leader in the system coming from kind of working with a local authority, also working within the integrated care system. What would your tips to early career leaders coming through the system be around trying to implement some of this stuff? I think, again, I've said it a few times, but um, a bit about being curious, so just kind of understanding what the system looks like and taking the time to understand that and understand what role they can play, but also what else they can influence as well. And seeking those opportunities to work in different parts of the system where that's possible and getting involved with with groups like the ones we've mentioned in West Yorkshire, our networks are really wide open. 
So, you know, finding out about those groups and getting involved is always a really good way of, of kind of building your awareness of the wider system. Because um, it is it is big and really vast. I mean, I've been working across the the ICS for three years nearly, and I, I do my best, but don't know every element of all of the system. So it's something that takes a lot of time to kind of to learn. But yeah, I think, yeah, definitely just seeking out those opportunities for, for system working where you can build that into existing role um because there's there's always the need for that whether it's people kind of from a a clinical background to apply that perspective um because we can learn loads from from them as well yeah well thank you Um, one of the things that's really stuck with me you saying is the integrated care system as you say is not a thing um and it's a partnership so therefore it's lots and lots of ideas thoughts groups of people um coming together and actually without being curious getting involved asking questions finding out who's who what's what and spending a bit of time it's quite difficult to really map that out would you say that was right yeah I'd say that's the case I'd say kind of on the face of it you know this this governance maps and things and you can you understand well we've got these programs across the structure and these organizations feed into it but actually the important thing is the partnerships and the relationships and the smaller building blocks of that system that takes a bit more time to uncover. Yeah, yeah, and I really like that, the going beyond what you can find out on paper, kind of thinking about what, what the relationships are and kind of building from there. So, yeah, well, thank you. Sarah, this has been so useful. I just want to ask you two final questions that we always ask on the podcast before we finish. So do you have one book or resource that you would recommend um, to someone interested in tackling health inequalities? I do, and it's not necessarily health inequalities specific it's got a real health and qualities focus um and it's quite systems leadership specific and it's a book called radical health by hillary cotton um and i'd recommend that to anyone where again wherever you sat in the system but it's just it really encourages sort of innovative thinking about how we can do things differently through sort of the power of relationships and coming together and it's also in there's some really good case studies in there as well so in terms of the format of it it's um it's quite a, a nice book to read as well so that's the one I always recommend <laughs> oh well thank you yeah no that sounds great and um you've got one genie genie wish to tackle health inequalities so the genie appears to you and says you've got one wish Sarah what would that one wish be I've alluded to it a few times in the discussion today, but I think my my wish would be, it's maybe a bit more of a practical wish, but just that everyone was engaged and involved and knew the part they could play in inequalities, because I think we could always wish for more money and more resource to do this, but actually I think we've we've got a bit of, of that resource all within us, so I think that everyone understood and acted on the role that they could play um, on addressing health inequalities from wherever they sit within the system. Oh, great. That's a brilliant one. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Oh, well, Sarah, it's been really, really great to chat to you. Um, I personally have come away with a massively increased understanding of um, where the system level working fits into all of this. And it's great to hear your public health experience in all of this as well. So thank you. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. No, it's been great. It's been great to speak to you today. Take care. Thanks for listening, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Further podcast episodes, modules, blog posts and more educational resources are available on the Fair Health website at www.fairhealth.org.uk. If you enjoyed the episode, please do subscribe so you're updated when we release more episodes. It's always lovely to hear from you and thank you for all the comments and feedback we've had about the podcast over the last few years.
Please get in touch via Twitter at Fair Health UK or at RM Steam. We're really looking forward to you joining us next time on our journey to finding fair health.